do 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 hello and welcome to into the aether it's a low-key video game podcast and my name is brendan bigley i'm steven hilger uh big news for bb uh (laughs) so this whole year i think i i've i've tweeted that uh image of bernardetta from three houses just like gasping at the sunset Mm -hmm. and i think that's our vibe for this entire year based on just what's coming out every five seconds Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like i was thinking about what the content of this year is and it's like 33 percent at least final fantasy 7 persona 5 and animal crossing Mm -hmm. uh not to mention like all the other stuff uh in between that surprises us but yeah we're just gasping all year and most of all this is like something that means a lot to both of us but is is your DNA and your aspiration. It's both like <laughs> your human coil and your Icarus ambition. Yes. Uh, Animal Crossing had a direct, uh, the first like big here is, here is like most of what you can expect from the game uh, for Animal Crossing New Horizons was coming out in March. March and 10th. the first big Nintendo direct of the year. Yeah. Which is, is it March wild. 10th? No, it's later. March 20th. March 20th. April 10th is FF7. That's my Icarus ambition. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll have another episode it? like this for that. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, just us going, I can't fucking take it anymore! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that is. We're weird today. It's like uh, afternoon. It's really sunny out. I feel like totally recharged, but in like a manic way, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, it's been is, so dark and gloomy. This is a rare afternoon episode. Yeah, this is a sunny afternoon. I'm, I'm feeling weird and goofy and good good to record i'm uh-huh. set yeah um, but it's not about me it's about you and it's about us on our new island uh and we're just gonna go through the direct i think yeah um, yeah i i was blown away by this direct i it was weird because i had to sprint to work uh for <laughs> reasons i will not disclose on the podcast <laughs> okay i'm chased by ghosts every morning and i gotta <laughs> run i cannot stress this enough I had to sprint from the subway to the office, uh, and then I immediately like landed at my desk, logged into my computer, also opened my laptop, and I was watching the direct and doing work simultaneously. So like Hell I yeah. was kind of fading in and out. So today, before recording, I sat down. I like watched the whole thing uninterrupted without the the of dot com slash. Actually, maybe bleep that. But anyway, I, um, <laughs> I I finally got to sit down and just watch all of it. And I took some notes on just like pretty much everything that happened, but just the things that I'm most excited about. Um, yeah. And I just thought we could go through it because I we talked about this during the E3 episode when they announced this or not when they announced it, but when they kind of like went a little bit more in depth into it and showed it off for real. But I, I think the overall takeaway from why New Horizons is really, really, really a step forward for the franchise is just this concept that they've been building on very slowly, but very surely in that in the first Animal Crossing game, you just moved into this town and like villagers were mean to you. <laughs> like it kind of, it was like really chill, but also maybe it was a little bit shitty. Um, yeah. And and slowly over the course of the uh, subsequent games, they've kind of given you a little bit more ownership over the town and the village uh, as time has gone on. Kind of culminating in New Leaf where they made you the mayor and they allowed you to do public works projects and you could change things like I want all the stores to stay open late or please all the villagers, please, please, please help me pick weeds because I can't can't do this all by myself um, and and yeah. i think that this is kind of like i don't know what they're gonna do next i don't know what they can do next really after this because this is literally you are flying to this island that is completely undeveloped you are the first person to have any kind of settlement there and it's just a tent and you have to like survive <laughs> for a yeah. bit uh and eventually you will have created a a town akin to 
the previous Animal Crossing games. But in the beginning, it is you and two residents who all move to the island simultaneously, almost like like Survivor. Like it feels yeah. so. I mean, this is like the easiest joke to make, but it does oddly have battle royale vibes where it's like, hello, make sure the coordinates of your map are always up to date. And like, here's a backpack with a boomerang and betrayal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a great point. It's like almost like the end goal is where the other games began. Yes. Uh, which is really interesting. Which is wild. Um, yeah, I can't I can't yeah. even imagine what it's going to feel like. I mean, you and I talked a lot last week on the Final Fantasy uh, kind of redux episode just about the idea that like Shadowbringers being as successful and as powerful as it is will only be enhanced by having played the hundred hours that come before it and right, like endearing right. yourself to the character that you made and like feeling really compelled to continue exploring the world as them. This is like that, but for Animal Crossing, weirdly enough, where you're not just jumping into Shadowbringers, but you have to start by building your whole island first. Um, And I think there's a lot of appeal in just that sense of isolation as well for a lot of people. I've actually, uh, I talked to my friend Mike, shout out to Mike, but um, he was saying how kind of like you actually, he struggled to get as into Stardew Valley as he got into Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon in the past. Yeah. And it was because I think that there is like, I think Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing kind of allow you a bit more to like have just your own ritual that can either exist independently or alongside the people who are living in the town with you. Right. Um, Whereas Stardew Valley, I think uh, you can absolutely just stick to crops or stick to whatever. But like, in my opinion, the absolute strength of that game is the social stuff. So if you're not as drawn to that, you're yeah. not going to probably, en- you're probably just gonna be like, why am I not playing Harvest Moon? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I think that like the idea of just being on your own island by yourself is like kind of like an introvert's dream. And I think that that, <laughs> even though the end goal is like, okay, cool. Like by the end, you'll have a town or whatever. Um, that's also something that you can elect to not build. If you like, there's a version of this game where it's just you and your tent you know right yeah they they uh, very so when you move in there's two villagers that come with you but they very specifically are like we're not going to make anyone else move in without asking you first yeah um they they were they made that pretty clear in the direct in a way that i was very surprised by yeah um, so I, I think you're right. I think it, there is a situation in which you build up like this gigantic mansion on this island by yourself and your two like villager residents are also just still intense. Yeah. If you I want. feel like there are some billionaires that have actually done that, but like in an evil way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it came out of my mouth, I was like, that sounds like yeah. a, like a villain. Like a villain that. Welcome to the Republic of Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah um that i think that that's a great groundwork to lay out with like what's distinguishing this game from the rest and like what will probably make it like the the framework is set for this to be like the definitive animal crossing in yeah. the same way that a lot of switch games have been in my opinion and in our opinion the definitive version of whatever series you know fire emblem right houses and yeah we've talked about every game or every first party game from nintendo on switch being either like a complete reinvention and like push forward for a franchise or kind of a culmination of what came before so like ultimate is very much a culmination kind of thing and is the ultimate version of smash breath of the wild was like a, a complete reinvention of zelda you know stripping it down to its like bare essentials uh, and, and this to me feels like kind of a, a culmination thing. It feels like the Smash Ultimate version or the Fire Emblem Three Houses version of yeah. uh, of, of Animal Crossing. Which works because I think like it's been so long since New Leaf that I think 
there's a version of this game where they just made like New Leaf on Switch and yeah. probably would have still been great. Yes. You know, um, I still would have so, loved it if it was yeah. literally the same game. Like it's been seven years and we're hungry for for this type of game. Yeah. Uh, so it is one yeah. of those situations where I'm just surprised that I don't want to say that I'm surprised surprised but like i i am i am a little bit that they have changed as much as they have and have like added as much as they have which i guess maybe now is a good time to start going through it um, yeah I, one of the things that i had a theory on because i i remember watching the direct and thinking to myself this is weird and then i wanted to go back and watch it again and check but um in the beginning the very beginning of the game when uh you go and talk to uh timmy and tommy it's timmy and tommy nook the the little ones um, yeah Tom nook's nephews kids. yeah oh yeah his nephews when you're talking to them and it's you know classic animal crossing starting situation where they show you four maps that you can choose from and you can say like i want to be on this island this island this island or this island and i imagine you can probably like re-roll and get a new selection of four what's really fascinating is that the island is set up in a way where on the southern end of the island on the beach is where the um the dodo airlines uh thing is yes. so like that's where the dock is and that's where the seaplane lands and that's where you're going to take off when you're like going to visit other friends and stuff um so that's on the bottom and then a little bit above that in like a kind of town square thing is the uh, resident services tent which is where tom nook operates out of uh, which will eventually become the town hall and stuff. And we'll talk about that. Uh, but in the beginning, it's just this tent. Uh, and then you go up there and you talk to Tom Nook. He gives you a, a tent uh, and he gives the other two residents that are moving in with you tents. Uh, and you choose where all three of you will live. So you can choose the plots of land for all three. What I find really interesting, and I, I checked this just to confirm the way every single map that is generated uh, looks or, or the way the way every single one is set up is that there's some kind of river that comes down from the top of the map and then cuts down to about halfway down the island and then cuts across the entirety of the island and there are no bridges built in. So you literally can't see the whole island when you get there, which I think is really interesting. Mm. You're going to have to like work your way up to either building a bridge or that um, that like stick that people are using. Vault. Yeah, the yeah. pole vault to cross yeah. uh, rivers. But in the beginning, when you first start out, you're not going to be able to see the whole island, which I think is kind of really cool. Yeah, um, that is neat. It's, it's an interesting way to even just like withhold or like create that little bit of like mystery and discovery from the player, like even right at the beginning. Are the other two villagers always the same for everyone or are they different villagers? I have kind no of idea. Re- but they said there's 388, I think, villagers in this game. Oh, wow. Because I think in the in New Leaf and in the original game, like you started off with like a handful and it was always different depending on, yeah. on your town. So I could see them doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's always Ash, Linhart, and Hilda. Everyone gets the <laughs> every same. Every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just found that really interesting that like even just in terms of game progression, they're starting you off with not even being able to, uh, being able to see the entirety of the island. I, th- I think it's really cool. But anyway, just to start going through some stuff. Um, so I already mentioned the airport. It's Dodo Airlines, um, which is how you're going to like play online. It's how you're going to send messages back and forth to villagers and, and to your friends and stuff. You won't be able to do that until the second day in the game, which is worth mentioning, because I think you and I are hanging out like when the game comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe we should pick the day after or something. I'm so excited for that. I also real quick about Dodo Airlines. I um, One, uh, I love the Dodo code. That's like the most Nintendo thing ever. Yeah. And two, what, I was also kind of watching the direct and kind of like a 
morning I, I was going to work as it was airing so I was like preparing for my day as it was just like on in the background and like out of my peripheral vision the dodo bird looked just like homer simpson <laughs> like it had the same <laughs> had the same like color palette and i was like i just threw me off like for a split second i was like what yeah uh anyway just wanted to throw that in there i love that uh, yeah uh, the dodo yeah. code tm they put the TM in the yes in the text, which I love. So um, good. The Dodo code is essentially just like a four-digit code that you can generate to allow people into or out of your island, which, you know, very Nintendo, very Nintendo move. They have yeah. that literally in Pokemon Sword and Shield, but uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a cute name. Yeah, it's just like referral code or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But Link anyway, you move into this island, uh, you put down your tent and stuff. Uh, the, the announcer was like, Nook Inc. will even provide you with some basic services. And then they showed what the basic services were, and there were some boxes in the tent. And they unwrapped a radio and a lamp, and there wasn't even a bed, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they're also like, look out for poisonous bugs. We don't have health care here. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Tom Nook also gives you the Nook phone, which is yes. uh, your menu. It's how you'll be like interacting with uh, menu options and kind of like doing a bunch of things. So it comes with a bunch of apps at the beginning and it seems like you can unlock more of them. Uh, but it starts with a camera, which is just photo mode. Great. Uh, Nook miles, which I'll get very into. Um <laughs> DIY recipes, which allows you to craft like furniture and items and tools and stuff yourself, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Passport, which I think is literally just like your player profile. And it's like kind of like the trainer card in Pokemon. Um, The map, which makes sense. Uh, Custom designs, which is, you know, patterns from previous games. And then also also rescue service, which is fast traveling for Animal Crossing. Uh, It's a service that's run very obvious like very clearly by mr Rossetti, just based on the music but essentially like if you quote unquote get lost on your own island you can use rescue services and and uh Rossetti will send a helicopter to pick you up and bring you to wherever you want to go <laughs> i like that heroic turn for mr Rossetti. he's yeah. trying to help you out this time well he didn't have a job in new leaf you had to you had to like way down the line it was like end game shit you you had to buy um you had to buy a place for mr Rossetti to work eventually oh. like you had to, you had to buy you would buy like this manhole that you would put somewhere in your town uh, and if you went down there that's where he was hanging out and you could like talk to him a whole bunch and that's how because the game had autosave so that there was never an issue where like you were going to be save uh, saves coming or whatever or you know like turning off without saving where that was a concern on gamecube and in previous games that wasn't a new leaf so you would have to literally elect to have Mr. Rossetti yell at you if you turned it off without saving, but it still wouldn't matter because it was still auto-saving. But he would do it anyway. He would just be, like, so grateful that you gave him a job. Oh, my God. That's kind of... That's, like... I want the Kentucky Route Zero-esque side story of Mr. Rossetti. Yeah, me too. from Grace. Um, yeah, for those unfamiliar, uh, in the very first game, like, if you reset... Because you had to go to your mailbox and save or you had to like elect to save i think the gyroscope outside your home or the gyroid rather Mm -hmm. but if you shut off the game without saving the game would know that and a mole named mr rossetti would pop up and yell at you and like really give you these long monologues about how like you can't go back in life like you really need to like face consequences it was really like that really stuck with me honestly yeah um he would yeah. talk for like literally five minutes like upwards yeah. of five minutes every single time you did that yeah which was yeah, it was a really clever in-game mechanic to like discourage you from cheating basically yeah so that's great uh that's all in there uh so just to get into nook miles a bit it seems like i haven't seen any evidence that bells are the currency in this game 
Yes. Uh, ho, ho. Uh, it seems like Nook Miles are the currency. Which is so Tom Nook has relocated everyone to an island where he has made his own currency. That's like yep. the only way he could get even worse as a landlord is doing that. Like, yes, you have Nook bucks, which are made. Out I was just about to say it's fruit bucks, yeah. but like yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. Um, so the way that this works, it's actually I I love it to be completely honest. I think it's great. Sure. Um, the way this works is. Uh, you open up the Nook, the Nook Miles app on the, the Nook phone. I'm just going to say Nook before everything. Um, <laughs> you eat the, you eat the McBurger. Um, no, <laughs> you open up the, the Nook Miles app and it essentially gives you a list of quests. So you'll have, I, I don't know if they're daily quests or like how often they're going to come in and out, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Stardew Valley in the like, uh, yeah, what, the what is that? Board. The community center? Yeah. Um, there's the, like the billboard of, of like daily tasks you can do as well outside the, oh Yeah. I think it's more it's more community center adjacent where like, uh, okay it's spring. So now you have to do these things in the spring. Gotcha. Um, So you like make your way through those quests. So in this case. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see. um, So the the examples that they showed, at least the first step of three different quests that they had, um, one of them was just catch 10 fish. One of them was catch 10 bugs. And the other one was talk to one resident on the island. Um, mm. and that was step one of a bunch of quests, uh, which, which was kind of cool. So you go and then you, you do that and then you turn that into Tom Nook and then he gives you Nook miles. Um, and that is the <laughs> currency that you're using to pay Tom Nook back for the Island getaway package that you paid for. Um, wow. so you are, you're literally in debt for miles and not for money in this game, uh, from what I've seen so far, which is wild. So just like a quick, uh, number to throw out there which i think is interesting the first step of that uh fishing quest is catch 10 fish you turn that in you get 500 nook miles um it's 8000 nook miles to pay back that first tent apparently and if you want to upgrade to get a house eventually it's 98000 nook miles uh, so that gives Jeez. you some idea of how long it's going to take i imagine yeah. you can still like collect stuff and sell it for miles or whatever um, yeah, but just in terms of like if you were just to do the Nook Miles quests, I think that's, you know, it's going to take a while, probably. Sure. Yeah. Um, wow. I think I think that that's a really interesting and compelling kind of turn for this game, because I, I I see a lot of people talking about Animal Crossing and saying, oh, I just couldn't get into it because I didn't know like what I should be doing. And this is literally a menu of things that you should be doing um, yeah. if you want to work your way up those uh, Nook Miles quests, which is great. I think that's a really, a really uh, cool feature. Yeah, I think I was about to say, like, it sounds like it's especially designed because this is this is a game that I've already seen a lot of people who haven't played the other games in the series wanting to check this one out. Yes. Um, same. So I think that there's probably a lot of designs to make it like more beginner friendly as well. Not that like you're going to not know how to do things, but again, like the earlier games give you really no like quest line other than there's this lingering debt to pay off. Right. And yeah. Also like when the first game came out, there really weren't a lot of games like that. And now I think we've seen a little bit more with like, I would even say like Minecraft. I was just about I think to say, yeah. You can see the sort of uh, my influence on this game <laughs> with the crafting and all that. Yeah. Uh, if you have bounced off of games like Minecraft or No Man's Sky, for example, because of the open-endedness, like this is literally a, a critical path that you can follow in the game if you want to. Yeah. I would lump it also with like, you know, Stardew Valley and and even though I I, right. I brought that up earlier as like a point of tension, like I think that there's a direct line of, of familiarity you can draw from Stardew Valley to Harvest Moon to Animal Crossing. Yeah. But Animal Crossing being the loosest in structure of the three of them. Yeah, uh, I think so too. And Harvest Moon somewhere in the middle. 
Um, it really it still surprises me that more people haven't tried making Animal Crossing inspired games. Yeah, well, there is that one coming to PC that's like real inspired. It's yeah. like Animal like crossing. <laughs> like, yeah, I forget what it's called, but it is like. I don't want to say like a blatant ripoff, but it, it is very inspired it's, by yeah. Here's the thing. I, I think there's a, there's a pretty big void of like, because, you know, all Nintendo stuff is exclusive. And I think it's cool to see games influenced by Nintendo first parties make their way to PC. And, yeah. and, and as both a way for people to enjoy it that are Nintendo and to see like what could be learned outside of like Nintendo's immediate influence. Um, I mean, I haven't played that game. I've only seen the trailer, but like. It's about as close to being a ripoff as you can get. Like it's yeah. to the point At where least I feel like, like Temtem, which is that Pokemon one that just came yeah. out recently that everybody's been talking about, and even Stardew Valley. Like both of those are clearly inspired by old franchises, and and I think this Animal Crossing one is kind of rough. I, I wish I could find the name of it. Sorry to yeah. talk about this game that we don't know the name about. I'm still open for it to be like I'm, I would be happy if it's like good and has enough to distinguish itself. But like it's it's pretty it's pretty hard for me to to <laughs> to not call it a ripoff yeah. anyway anyway um, nook miles nook miles you want to pay off your 10 or what Walk. <laughs> uh so then then they go into talking about some dangerous creatures what, what do they say um you don't want to get like stung by bees or worse which is yeah a little threatening and then it shows like the villager dying essentially um <laughs> which is wild they show off um, that they're like, and at nighttime, like various things can come out and it shows uh, one of the villagers coming across Wisp, the ghost uh, who has been in some previous games. And then they also talk oh. about Castaways uh, via Gulliver, who has also been in previous games. Uh, in this yes. one, it's interesting. Gulliver is like just taking a nap. Like he washes up on the beach and is just taking a nap and you just have to sit there and keep talking to him until he wakes up and leaves, which is great. <laughs> I remember Gulliver. He just gave you stuff if you found him, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He did that. Yeah. I think. Oh, no, that's Pascal with the with the uh, seashell quest. But anyway, yeah, Gulliver would just give you stuff. So then they got into, um, okay, so say you are into all of this stuff so far. Here's, you know, what comes next for you. And that that includes upgrading your house, which, again, 98,000 nook miles to Dude, do that. I shouldn't have signed up for that credit card on the airplane and woken up on this island with Tom Nook. And now I owe <laughs> so many miles. <laughs> this reminds me, I was once on an airplane and this guy, I think I might have shared this before, but this guy was sitting next to me, but not immediately next to me. It was, it was a three seat, like part of the airplane. Yeah. Um, and we were about to take off and then he looked at me with sunglasses and was like, hey man, no one's in the middle seat. We lucked out and went for a high five and then just immediately oh signed up for the airplane credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Like without missing a beat, they're like, dude, he's like, yeah, it sounds like a great deal. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I met a villager who went to Tom Nook's Island like immediately after. (laughs) Maybe it was Gulliver just woke up on the shore. Uh, Gullible. Um, I loved, I just loved how open he was to life's many traps. Yeah, Um, I love that. Imagine being that optimistic. Yeah. That open to saying yes. And wearing sunglasses on a plane. Yeah. Very cool. Love it. Very Um, cool. So they showed off a little bit more about what you can do inside your house once you upgrade to a house. Just some really great shit in terms of like UI and UX stuff with with like actually moving items around in your house. The biggest thing for me, honestly, was that the house now has a storage feature. So instead of like literally needing to put down like a crate that you would just like shove all your items into, you can just select like move to storage and it's just like this kind of ambient um, extra item menu that you have. Uh, So you don't like literally need to put a physical piece of furniture down to store items anymore. That's good. 
That's good. Just a nice quality of life thing. Um, after that, they talked about mystery tours from Dodo Airlines, which uh, you pay for some uh, tickets with Nook Miles, obviously. Uh, and essentially <laughs> what happens is you go and tell Dodo Airlines you want to go check out another island, but you're not visiting a friend's island. You're not visiting any island with a Dodo code. And what that means to the airline pilot is they're just going to take you somewhere random. So they just generate a new island for you every time you do that. Uh, and it can be like kind of whatever, but also in any season. Uh, so it could be winter or it could be summer or whatever. Um, and they'll all have like a bunch of different things on it. it. might generate like a whole bunch of money rocks on an island or something. Or like there'll be a bunch of villagers that you can talk to and like, you know, ask them to join or to come visit your island or move in with you, uh, which is cool. Uh, so they're just like, yeah, depending on how the pilot is feeling that day, you're just going to go like check out a bunch of random islands, which I, I love this <laughs> feature. Chef's that, choice, but the pilot's choice. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. I was a huge fan of visiting Tortimer's Island in yeah, New Leaf. That was great. Um, yeah. Where it was always summer that was i think i've talked about this on the show before but that was that was the place where uh you could go hang out uh between the hours of 6 and 7 30 p.m and catch beetles and turn them in for a shitload of money uh that was a lot of what i spent my time doing in new leaf uh so this kind of feels like that again but i like the added idea that you know if you were like oh man i'm almost done with the museum and i just need like a couple things that are only available in winter and it's fucking august right now you can like hop on this Dodo Airlines thing and like end up in a winter town or something, which is cool. I love it. It's a great idea. Yeah, that's awesome. The museum, I mean, we'll probably get to it, but that's like what I'm most amped to do. Yeah, it's same. so cool. Like they really went all out with it. That's always been my favorite part. Like that's me too. That's always been the quest that I give myself as like completing the museum. Yeah. And it like, especially the aquarium, like it's like stunning. Yeah, uh, it was ridiculous. Like weird photorealistic fish alongside like Isabel. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird world this is. Yeah. There are no fish villagers, though, so I guess it makes sense. It was, it was really bizarre just seeing like a cartoon dog hanging out next to a shark, like a photorealistic shark. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Mario Odyssey kind of clash. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm so excited for that. Um, is this still uh, the owl? Uh, the guy, Blathers. I think so. Oh. They didn't show yeah. Blathers. Um, they showed his. Is it his little sister? I forget who it is. Celeste. Mm. Anyway, uh, she's the one who usually runs the uh, observatory, so you can like go oh, look at the stars. Gotcha. Um, they cool. showed her visiting the town. Uh, there's this whole bit where they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, a bunch of people are gonna roll through." So eventually, you can upgrade from, uh, or the, I guess the tent, the resident services tent, will upgrade from that into like an actual physical town hall, like the previous games. Um, and when that happens. The like town square is where people will just come through. So like I imagine Red will be selling art there. But that also is where all of the shop owners from uh, New Leaf will show up. So like Kix will come and sell shoes. And I imagine like the I forget his name will come and sell plants and stuff, um, which is rad. But they also showed Celeste dropping by and saying, I heard about a, a magic wand that if you get it, uh, it'll change your appearance. And then they showed what the magic wand does. And it allows you to like save a bunch of different outfits that you can just switch to at will. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was really I mean, it just seems like they're solving quality of life stuff uh, left and right. But like by kind of including it in the game, like it's all like endemic in 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 the actual like progression that you'll be doing specifically. Like I just remember seeing 
this one moment where they were talking about um, turning in Nook Miles, like if if you're done paying off a loan or like if you just want to do whatever, um, there's kind of like the ATM that they've always had in Nook's Cranny and stuff. You can go there and you can pay for either recipes for more things you can craft yourself or you can unlock, I think, features for the game. So like you can get new apps for the Nook phone or like it'll allow you to do other things. I saw one that was like, um, was it personal inventory organization or something? And I don't know what that means, but that was a thing that you could buy with Nook Miles. So, like, I'm interested to see what that means. I got a model train sim in Animal Crossing. Ask me anything. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really fascinated to see, like, how the game kind of expands. Because it seems like they're giving you a lot at the beginning, but they, like, are really, really, really digging into, um, into just, like, letting you customize everything in every way that you ever have dreamed of in Animal Crossing. Even ways that you haven't thought to ask for. Yeah, I think, I think having quality of life improvements as like inherently interwoven within the sense of progression in the game is really fascinating. Yeah. That's something that, that I've noticed in FF 14 as well is like, Mm -hmm. as you get deeper in, there's just things that become easier and like, right. Uh, there's probably a fine line between like, okay, maybe some of that stuff you want in the beginning to like make the experience enjoyable. But there's also a lot to be said for like having that kind of relief when you realize you can now do things so much faster. Right. Same with like uh, a Hollow Knight, where like, oh, I can fly now or whatever. Right. Yes. yes <laughs> you yes. know, or uh, or any Metroidvania. There's definitely that sense of progression with yeah, you know, quality life improvements. Yeah. What else? We could just run through the the other stuff. So like. They showed off that eventually, once you upgrade to the town hall, you'll be able to get like Nook's Cranny back. So I, I imagine you can upgrade all the all the shops the same way you used to be able to. Uh, the Able Sisters are back. The museum, as we already talked about, um, they have the camping tent, which they introduced into New Leaf at one point, um, which allows you know just like random villagers to come through, and you can invite them to move into your town if you want or not. Um, they also showed off like a bunch of people just coming to visit the town, including your new favorite Harvey, who I don't think you've met before. I have not met her. I li- like my jaw dropped. There's this dog that has a mustache and like a hippie bandana, and he's like, "Hey man, I'm like from the next town over. Pleased to meet you, friend." Yeah. But this dog rules. I need Harvey in my town. He's awesome. So Harvey yeah. drove an RV in uh oh, in new leaf God. yeah it's awesome yes uh and i can't wait was... for him to recommend me see fish live not listen to their <laughs> studio albums <laughs> hey man i'm from the next town over fish is actually playing there next week you want to come yeah you know you should really see them live it doesn't the studio albums are good but they don't really you know match the same experience friend <laughs> uh yeah so oh, he also I, if i'm not mistaken i don't really remember because it's been a long time but i think he also like runs quote-unquote pocket camp like animal Cross, like the app that's mm. like you You move into a camp with an RV and Harvey like uh, sets you up there and stuff. He's great. He's awesome. So he was part of the um, I forget what it was called. He was part of the DLC pack that they added to New Leaf eventually, uh, which is awesome. really cool. But yeah, all that stuff was really cool. Just some like kind of floating thoughts. I noticed in the background that villagers can also upgrade their houses. And I'm wondering like how that happens. Like, are you paying for that or are they doing that separate from you? Like, I'm interested to see how that really yeah. plays out. Um, yeah, if you can invest in your neighbors like, by doing quests for them or something, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm interested to see yeah. like what happens there. They also eventually, uh, they, they say once the island is fully decked out, quote unquote, which to them, I guess decking the island out includes like adding bridges and adding stairs up cliff sides and things like that. But they say once it's decked out, then you get a permit, like a construction permit to kind of like carve your own paths in the ground, uh, carve like rivers out. Uh, build your own slopes, build your own waterfalls, things like that. So like they're really giving you 100% customization of the island itself, which is really wild. But it seems like that is the end, end, end game 
thing. Mm. Like you're really going to have to work for a long time to get to that point, which I think is kind of cool because like the people who are going to use that the most are the people who are going to be that invested in the game that they reach that point, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's also like I think getting there's a little bit like I wouldn't say there's there's not a visible survival element, but there is that sort of idea of like getting accustomed to the island and settling in. And I think what comes at the end of that is like terraforming the island. <laughs> weird, it, it would be a weird tone to move there right away and be like, cool, I'm carving this place up. <laughs> Let's yeah, do it. Totally. Writing my name in rivers. <clears throat> oh, wow. Someone's going to do that. I mean, yeah, you're looking at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that is one of those features that like I don't think people have even asked. I mean the the being able to put paths in the ground people have asked for forever but like the ability to carve your own rivers or like uh, I don't know make slopes and mountains and stuff is like so outside the realm of things I've ever seen fans of this game ask for it's like just another kind of cherry on top for everything else some other stuff that I thought was interesting uh, they don't have cloud saves in this game which I think is a huge bummer um, yeah that's a big like that <laughs> I think uh, someone in the discord was like Nintendo always does like a million great decisions and then one just baffling choice yeah <laughs> and that's the one for this one but yeah they it's like no cloud saves but they will back up your save file once if to your the switch cloud. is stolen or lost to the <laughs> They were like, yeah, we're not going to use Nintendo online cloud saves, but we will be backing your saves up to the cloud. (laughs) So, okay. But there is some good stuff. Like if you have users on your switch, uh, each user can make their own. Like you can all be on the same island together, which is a really nice local play thing for families and for people living together. Like that's just an incredible choice they made. Because like there hasn't really ever been like a good local co-op way to play this game. And now there very much is. Yeah. Uh, so that's really neat. And I also like the idea that uh, visiting islands seems to be like a very big focus for the game. So I'm really excited for the online play as well and to like visit your island. And, and you know, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. I, had... I won't bring my axe. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. What, what was that? The best friends feature? Yeah. Only best friends can bring axes. Uh, right. So I, I tweeted only my best friends can bring their axes to my island. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I, I guess I don't want people coming to your island like fucking your place up. Uh, but yeah. if they're on your best friends list and they they can. So I'm going to come chop down all your trees. Thanks. I trust you. Yeah, my just stumps and pitfalls all over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so I'm so excited about uh, about that. I had such a good time with New Leaf playing online with other people. I, I can't even imagine what it's like when you can have up to eight people hanging out. Um, yeah, in this game. That's so cool. I feel like there's just like a lot we don't even know about this game still. Like it seems sure. like there are a lot more activities than there have been in the past, like actual ways to pass time in the game, which I think is going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, like I'm interested to see you get eight people together like is there a thing to do in the game when you have eight people? Um, they had stuff like the, I, f- I forget what it was called, but on the Tortimer Island in, in New Leaf, there was like competitive multiplayer Animal Crossing stuff that they had with like bug, bug catching contests and stuff. It was like really cool. Um, so I'm interested to see what kind of stuff we have. Here. Since this is the same team as Splatoon, I could really see that. I could see Splatoon influencing this game to have more like events like Splatoon did. Yeah. Probably I, not to the same degree, but like I could see that rubbing off on Animal Crossing. Yeah. I was just about to say one of the first things they talk about that I wrote in my notes, like very similar to Splatoon. Every time you log into the game, Tom Nook does like a broadcast of the whole island where he talks about like. That's amazing. Like island tips and also like events that are coming or events that are happening 
happening, um, which is just literally exactly what happens when you log into Splatoon every time where they tell you what maps are in rotation and what new items yeah. are coming out and things like that. Um, they also said that there's going to be a ton of free updates. They're like, there's one that you're going to be able to download the day the game comes out that'll unlock like a, what do they call it? It's a bunny day event, which is, it's just Easter, I guess. Uh, but like a big yellow rabbit is going to come <laughs> to town. It's egg day from, yeah. uh, from, oh, yeah. <laughs> So, like, it seems like they're planning to continue updating this game uh, and adding a bunch of content to it over time for free so far. I, I honestly, there's been some like back and forth with people like being upset at even the idea of paid DLC for this game. If there's any game I'm going to pay for DLC for and feel happy about it, it's probably <laughs> Animal Crossing. Like, it is, this yeah. is maybe the only time in history where I will be like, yes, please let me give you more money for more of this game. Um, sure. So, I, I don't know. Especially I, that I it sounds like this already so much there i mean that's kind of how i felt with fire emblem where i'm like there is so much game here They're like of course i'm gonna buy the expansion for like 25 dollars. yeah but yeah yeah i'm really excited it was a really good direct and like you said like we now know all these different features but like the moment to moment gameplay of the game is still kind of a question mark like i imagine it will play like the other ones do yeah you're not gonna like be like skiing suddenly yeah <laughs> uh but really excited and i'm excited that like i i planned on visiting jersey next month and like Without even consciously realizing it's like the week that that game comes out. Right. So that would be perfect. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, we can probably yeah. find a way to stream it or something. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I want to name my island New Jersey, I think. I was just about or, to ask. I, what, what are you going to name your island? <laughs> New Jersey, if possible. Or New Jersey 2. That could be fun. Uh, or Secaucus Junction. Oh, Those my God. Those are the three ideas I have. Wow. Um, that that joke you? is for like four people. <laughs> I mean, that's my vibe. I joke. This show is for four people. I'm amazed <laughs> that more people are listening. Um, what am I going to name my island? I have no idea. I Brendan's love... Place, Stinky Town. Stinky Town's fun. <laughs> Crapville. Crapville. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah I don't nice know yet. I, I'm so excited to find out. I just, it's it's one of those things that always happens in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I say New Jersey now, but I might be struck and be like, no, this place is called like Gridania <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, not to New echo FF14. Um, New Gridania. That would actually be, that's a great island name. Maybe I'll just do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, who are, uh, who are your favorite villagers? Who do you want in your town right away? Looking forward to seeing again. Um, I've I've honestly never really had favorite villagers in this game. I just wow. kind of let people come and go as they please. Like, there's always that moment where somebody's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about moving out," and I always let them. <laughs> like, I'm oh, always see, like, yeah, I, I say like, "Stay here, please, don't go." <laughs> it's just that there's so many. Like, I I just like seeing the rotation, unless there are like a couple really rare ones where it's like, okay, if they show up, like I, I think there were a bunch of there were like monkeys, there were like colorful monkeys in I think Wild World. Where like if you got one of those, they, there was like a one in a million chance that they were going to show up on your island or right? in your town. Oh wow, uh, which is that's fun. cool. Yeah, I wonder if they know that they're so rare. Maybe they they like have a little strut. Yeah, they're like, do you know I'm one in a million? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always really liked Buck. He's one of the horses. He's a jock. Oh yeah, uh, all the jock like, ones are really great. All the jocks are great, and all the grumpy characters are great. Yes, uh, the two that I really remember are Buck the horse. And his house is like in such a cool spot, like in the middle of the town, surrounded by a river. And then Gruff in the very first game was this really grumpy goat who was like, yeah. I can't stand hearing shit. I wish I was deaf. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of dark. Yeah, but, uh, that first Gruff, game really was rough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot. Because, uh, again, like all, all the animals didn't really want you there, except for Gruff. Gruff like eventually warmed up to me and he was like, you know, you and me, we're the only one who gets it around here. <laughs> um 
Yeah. So I'm so excited. Yeah, what, one thing that I, I didn't mention that I think is maybe worth touching on is um, there's a tombstone in your town. Have we talked about this yet? No. Okay. So in the, in the direct, there's a moment where they're showing off all of the construction that you can do. And they're like, you can carve rivers. You can create your own waterfalls. You can dig dirt paths. There's all this <laughs> stuff. And they showed this like, uh, they, they showed the villager busting through a rock, I think at the top of your town, unlocking a second beach to the north, which is kind of cool. But to the right of this, during this animation, there's a tree, and then behind the tree is a tombstone with some flowers on it. Oh, wow. And the current going theory is that that's Tortimer. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, that would be a dark twist. That they're like, your villagers <laughs> only live for so long. Oh, uh, my make God. Make sure to yeah. write creative epitaphs. Yeah, there was some like dark... Animal Crossing fan fiction that somebody wrote a couple of years ago that uh, insinuated that the uh, gyroids that you would dig up were actually old villagers from saves that have since been deleted. Oh um, my god. Which was terrifying. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so the, the path of Tortimer was he was the mayor in Animal Crossing, Wild World, and City Folk, and then in New Leaf he retires, because uh, he's like, I- I've been doing this for too long, I'm done, why don't you be the mayor? Uh, and then he retires to his island, and now there's just this tombstone they highlighted in the direct. Mm. So I could see Tortimer's ghost also being a character, though, where he's like, "Hey, here's this weird furniture. Thanks for visiting my grave. <laughs> <laughs> here's a haunted sink." I would love that. I would love that so much. They would definitely have fun with it. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's always there always is that like kind of like everything in that world is so cute and comforting but there's always this like little under like outside of the like fan theories there is like an undercurrent of weirdness to that game yeah um totally uh like gulliver gave me a statue that was just like michelangelo's david peeing and it was called mannequin piss and that was like an item i just got in animal crossing what i wonder if they'll bring back the nes games in some capacity because in the in the first game yeah. you could get like arcade machines that were like straight up NES games you could just play in Animal Crossing. I would bet you um, anything those will not make an appearance. Yeah, Nintendo is so reticent to have any idea of virtual console outside of those two apps that you can get if you have Nintendo Online. I guess I just wonder if like not not if they're going to be like you know Balloon Fighter or whatever, but if they're going to make like arcade games like in the world that That'd aren't nice. like Nintendo games. Yeah. Just thinking about the dark undercurrent, even the idea of Red the Fox being this like like black market art dealer who shows up and like he has five items on display and only one of them is real and you have to figure out which one is real is <laughs> kind of wild. Um, who is the person that sells turnips that are like the stock market? That was Joan. So Joan. Joan was in the game, but now there's a new character whose name I don't remember at the moment, but she looks like a like a young Joan. Um, so there was another theory that Joan has since passed away and that this person has taken over the turnip sales. So everybody's just trying to figure out whose tombstone that is. But anyway, I, I would love, I, if, I love this if Jones, Joan. if Jones ghost told you like stock predictions, cause the turnips are basically the, st- it's, it is the most like simple way to explain how the stock market works. It's called the enough. stock market S T A L K in the game. Jones like, here's a, here's a tip from the afterlife. Bye. Bye. Daisy May. Daisy May is the name of, of the new oh, wow. young Oh, wow. We love Daisy May here. Yeah. Um, She's so cute. She has like the, the classic, like almost the Wind Waker kid with the big snot bubble coming out. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, we miss Joan, though. I do miss Joan. I just Googled Animal Crossing Joan and the first result was dead. 
Okay, well. Give Joan a chance, Google. Confirmed. Via Into the Aether, the podcast. Joan <laughs> She's going to have, like, X's for eyes. <laughs> <laughs> she has, like, stars in her eyes. But, yeah. they, you know, anyway, we love Joan, the boar who sells turnips that are the stock market. Yeah, that, that was a big thing in New Leaf, I just remember. New Leaf was the first game that came out that had, or that, that came out around the same time that Twitter was really big. So, like, mm. I just remember that game coming out and everyone on my Twitter timeline just becoming, like, obsessed with tweeting out their turnip prices every day. <laughs> and there's just, like, a, a flood of people just, like, visiting each other's islands back and forth, which, honestly, I could see our Discord turning into when this game comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Discord is really good. There, there are channels for, like, a handful of games specifically for that game, and Animal Crossing will blow up. It already has after this Direct. Yeah. Honestly, I'm wondering if maybe <laughs> we should split it out and make Animal Crossing its own, like, collection of channels for, like, Turner prices and things like that when this game drops. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll go. We'll play it by ear. Um, um, anyway, uh, the last thing that I wrote in these notes are uh, just I'm surprised that there's no direct link to Pocket Camp. Um, I was mm. just expecting some kind of link there. They are going to have items from this game show up in Pocket Camp and vice versa. But that's literally the only connection that they've alluded to so far. Nothing about like actually linking your saves together or traveling back and forth. But yeah, I don't know. This game looks amazing. I, I'm so excited for it. Uh, maybe unsurprisingly. Yeah. It looks just like perfect. Like I, I don't even know what I would change or what I would add. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like I think, like you said earlier, they've added so much past like what all they really needed to do was like the demand was put Animal Crossing on Switch. Yeah, and they've gone even farther while still retaining what like you want from the series. Yeah, they're not like you've got a Mario Sunshine water cannon. You got to clean up slime for a few hours. <laughs> like that's not that, they're not adding extraneous stuff to it. Right. Uh, no shade on Mario Sunshine, but I feel like GameCube was full of games like that where they're like, this time you have to do chores. Right. Uh, you know <laughs> okay. how Mario loves to jump? Mario he also like, loves to clean slime. <laughs> I think they were just like, they gave Luigi a vacuum and Mario like a water, like a, a water wet cannon. Swiffer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't even talk at all about like how crafting works or anything like that. Like chopping down trees gives you wood that you use to like fashion into tools and items and stuff. And maybe they're like breakable. I don't know. It's like it's wild. There's this whole other element of the game that just kind of like I think adds to your own ownership over the island. I, I it's it's gonna be great. Um, I I would be very surprised if this game came out and there was something in there that was so bad that it made us dislike it or like made yeah. it not be one of my favorite <laughs> games of the year or of all time. You know, right. Um, I totally agree. I think to like imagining the crafting system seems like such a no brainer for this. <laughs> What's so funny? I was just, I'm trying to think of like what would be so bad that I'd be like, I don't want to play this game. And the first thing that popped into my head was like, I, I started the game and I had this like nice town, and then like a week in, Quagmire from Family Guy wanted to move in. <laughs> oh my god, no, <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> I think that would be the reason that I would delete the game. But I already, I already pre-ordered the Switch. I have it coming to my house. Uh, I have the game downloaded already. Like I pre-ordered it. I'm, I'm gonna get the case to put the Switch in. Like I am so all in already. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like a more like believable thing that made the game bad. Is like Isabella just makes you do her taxes and you can't quit. Like you just, like you're permanently Isabella's like secretary. Yeah, Nook tax opens up and it's just Nook like. <laughs> How many dependents do you have on this island? Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm so excited too. Yeah. I think there's really not much that uh, knock on wood. 
pick God and pray. There's really not much they can do to mess it up. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. Yes. Animal okay. Crossing. New Horizons. New Horizons. We're excited. It's going to be good. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, just like a quick end note, because I think like we're both excited for Animal Crossing and FF7 remake, but obviously like our DNA is linked to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's kind of a gross way to say it, but you know what I mean? Our soul is bound. That's better. Let's biological sure uh but i just pre-ordered the deluxe ff7 like yeah getting an art book and like the cactuar dlc <laughs> shit like, <laughs> and you said this is the I, first time you've ever pre-ordered something i've never pre-ordered anything before that's i've never wild. i've never really had other uh, until now yeah i haven't had the like i need to see this before anyone else kind of thing yeah and i still don't have that but i just like because here, here's the deal. I think this show has kind of instilled... I, I, I already kind of aimed for this, but I think doing this show has instilled a practice where I try to go into everything with, like, a, with like a exceptionally open mind. Like, really... Like, I think you and I, in, in our year and a half doing this show, have both played games that are, like, wildly outside of our interests and have been surprised at how much we like them. Yeah, totally. Um, for me, last year, you know, I... I if I wasn't doing this show, I would not have purchased Death Stranding, and I would have missed out because I really love that game. Right. Um, yeah. You probably wouldn't have gotten Three Houses. <laughs> I probably would have gotten Three Houses uh, or Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of yeah. Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Which honestly, I've been playing almost every day for the past couple weeks now. And like, I tweeted this out uh, a while ago, or I talked to somebody about it. But like, literally every time I play that game. I get closer and closer to deciding that it might be one of my favorite games of all time, which I cannot believe. Like the <laughs> yeah. fact that this, I don't know, wild that and I, I love try, Dragon Quest as much. And, I, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal or anything, but I, I think like I've, I've really seen like the, the danger of hype and the danger of like going into something with very specific expectations and yeah. all that. All that being said, I think there is a time and place to just be like, disgustingly excited for something yeah. to leave like all super ego shit at the door and just like be all in yeah lights off i'm going i'm 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 spelunking into the like darkest desires of my mind yeah um and i'm doing that for the ff7 remake and like still i'm trying to experience it as its own thing but i'm just so i'm just like so pumped for it yeah i'm trying to make it as exciting for myself as possible and i'm really enjoying the like ceremony of that having never really done that before because there i think there are some people who just do this for everything and that like i commend you because that's exhausting i'm giving everything i got for this release you know yeah um but yeah it's it's fun i'm excited and it's coming up it's like next ish month uh month and a half two months yeah 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 we're now less than a month away from animal crossing also so i'm like gear enough for brendan season you know Brendan sees it. Yeah, that's what it feels. we're just gasping at the sunset. That's really, <laughs> that's really it. Uh, um, you want to move on? Yeah, absolutely. I just said spelunking into the deepest recesses of my desires. So like, I absolutely want to move on. That's a, like, that's foreshadowing for our Splunky two episode later in the year. <laughs> when that comes out, I do. That's use gonna be the, the word next sp- time I'm like this. By the way, <laughs> I do use the word spelunk a lot, like colloquially, and it, I feel like it always gets you excited. But it's not like it's not like a subtle reference that i'm secretly playing spelunky i yeah. just say it um one day 
Steven, yeah. you're going to come on this show and you're going to surprise me the same way I surprise you sometimes. And you're going to say, Spelunky. yeah, you're going to say I beat Olmec and Spelunky and I'm going to maybe die. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the end of the show. <laughs> the, the tombstone on the island is yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. It's Brendan's season. Ooh. All right. See you in hell. Here's a ghost to Froggy Chair. Steven. <sighs> hey. We're back. Uh, you and I are noted Metroidvania fans, uh, genre-wise. Hollow Knight, maybe one of my favorite games ever. Probably number one, honestly, at the moment. Really great game. Uh, I grew up playing Metroid games. Uh, big fan of those. I have always kind of looked at Castlevania from afar uh never really like latching on to it i haven't played any of them to completion i've played a couple of them for a couple hours very similar to my experience with fire emblem up until three houses mm -hmm. came out but there was a game that you and i wanted to play last year that we missed out on uh yeah. so we're checking it out this year they just added it to game pass which is how i'm playing it and you're playing it on ps4 because it was just yes. on sale yeah uh, but it's called bloodstained ritual of the night it was a kickstarter game by the creator of aria of sorrow uh, so it was, uh, uh, Koji Igarashi, who was the co one of the big, I think there are two directors for Symphony of the Night and he was one of them. And then later on made Ari of Sorrow and a few others, yeah. but like is largely credited with like being one of the reasons why Symphony of the Night was so good. And cool. Symphony of the Night, for those unfamiliar, is the Castlevania game that when people use the word Metroidvania, they're basically talking about Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid. Yes. Um, those yeah. two games were the games that defined the genre. And I would say to define the genre of Metroidvania is, uh, broadly speaking, and, and there are a lot of like caveats to this, but... It's a 2D world where usually it's, you know, you go, it's a side scrolling game. Um, but rather than like a Mario game where it's left to right and like you're just permanently moving forward, uh, there's a sense of exploration in this 2D world where you can go back and forth, visit old areas that you were at originally. And usually there's some kind of sense of progression where in the beginning there might be like a door you can't. Uh, reach or there might be something something that you can't accomplish yet that you then get the skill for later and then you're slowly kind of unlocking this world yeah metroid i think has a higher emphasis on like player ability so almost like a zelda where like you get abilities that allow you to progress um i think met i think uh it's no coincidence that hollow knight landed really strongly for you because i think hollow knight probably shares more with the Metroid side of things. Yeah. Um, Holland, also of course borrows a lot from the dark souls series, which I think you could also make a case for being a Metroidvania, but it's in a 3d environment. I totally, because that's a game where, you know, you'll, you'll be in an area and there are things you can't do yet that you can then go back to later. And that's a weird way to pitch it. But I think the, the joy of these games is by the end, you have felt like you have mastered and unlocked this like interwoven, not, esque worlds right. it's almost like the world itself is a big puzzle yes um so uh bloodstained ritual of the night uh, like you said it was a kickstarter game uh the creator uh uh koji igarashi was kind of in a similar position uh with as idio kojima where they were both at konami and both were like get me out of here yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he left and wanted to make his own game kind of had struggled with like getting people to get behind it so went to kickstarter 
and raise five million dollars, <laughs> um, which I think in the in the market of video games is probably not a ton of money, oddly enough. Yeah. But in terms of money raising, <laughs> also just compare this to the numbers we were floating around for the Kentucky Red Zero Kickstarter, which right. I think was eight thousand dollars. Right. Right. Well, so I mean, and it's a very different scenario where with Kentucky Red Zero, it was you know a group of of new creators who were right. trying to get this idea to take shape, and here you have a, a really beloved creator who is who is kind of making the case for like, Hey, Metroidvanias. And I think I would agree with this having played uh, Bloodstained and uh, spoiler really fucking loving this game. Yeah. Uh, he was like, there, there haven't really been in this sort of recent trend of like new Metroidvanias. A lot of them are more like hollow Knight, where there's sort of this, like there's this sense of progression with abilities you get, uh, but not as much as the Castlevania side, which has more RPG elements. So, right. um, Symphony of the Night is a game uh, where you uh, play as Alucard, son of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, for though uh, many of you might know the meme uh, where many many of you young kids might recall the meme uh, where it's a scene where <laughs> Dracula is like, "What is a man? A miserable pile of secrets." Uh, you know that yeah. that like really campy, over the top uh, dialogue. Um, that's from Symphony of the Night, and that game is like just really a masterpiece. I didn't play it until after the fact. It came out in 1997 for the PlayStation One, and you play as Alucard, who uh, we've referred to this in passing as like the framing device of a game where you start off with everything and then lose it all. Right. So like you start off that game where like giant werewolves are attacking and you kill them in one hit. You have all these abilities. And then uh, the Grim Reaper takes them all away. And like that whole game is basically traveling the castle as Alucard, um, getting all these abilities back. And you get a really wide variety of, of uh, abilities that you get from killing enemies. So like kind of like uh, for those Final Fantasy fans, like a blue mage learning abilities from the enemy. You're kind of doing that yeah. as well as finding like different swords and all that. So it's a very similar vibe to Super Metroid, but it has more in common with like a sort of a D&D or Final Fantasy experience where it's like more about there's more customization with how your character is playing. Yeah. Um, I didn't play a ton of Symphony of the Night. I really loved what I have, but I got really into Aria of Sorrow. That was my first. That like, was the Game Boy Advance one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you played as Soma Cruz who gets sucked into a lunar eclipse and has to fight Dracula. <laughs> so good. Um, and that game is pretty much the same thing. Like, I think it, it doesn't have the same scale as Symphony of the Night, but like second to Symphony of the Night, Aria of Sorrow was like, really widely beloved yeah um, it's wild that more games like more game franchises that started in the same place as castlevania haven't like grown up into just being campy b movies kind of like these have become you know what i mean like the idea of like going into into the dracula's castle as simon with a whip and like murdering him is like the goofiest <laughs> fucking idea that was played well, completely straight in castlevania one and now they're starting to reckon with the fact that that's like so goofy and it's weird that other game franchises haven't done that yeah i i, I don't know if it was completely straight to be honest because i think uh or in terms of like uh, not having any kind of self-awareness uh, because the first Castlevania game for the NES was like a straight up platformer. It had a similar like left to right side scrolling feel, but like you just had to whip a few items and and was a more combat centric version of like Mario essentially. Yeah. But like yeah, you fight like the mummy and Frankenstein and stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, I the only reason I think there might have been self awareness is like just inherently it's kind of like it's very like spooky and not actually scary. Yeah. 
And I think uh, did that one have end... chicken in the walls also? Yeah, that was that was from from Go. Yeah. That was in the beginning. Oddly enough, sorry. Wait, so just fr- to <laughs> just to explain what that means, in case you maybe don't know, <laughs> uh, you could bust open pieces of of the wall, and and there would be a chicken inside there, and that would replenish your health. Um, yeah. I I played the first Castlevania. I think more than I played any other Castlevania game. Uh, yeah, I, I played that game a lot when I was really young. The first one's awesome. So yeah, I I've most of my Castlevania time has been spent with the first one and uh with aria of sorrow and it's interesting you bring that up too because i think the series has kind of been like half platformer half rpg because the first game was the framing device was more combat centric than like mario or, right. or even zelda um and then castlevania 2 was like their attempt at the time of like doing a more rpg ish game um and like kind of was like an uneven success and then three went back to how the first game played. And then uh, for Super Nintendo, there's Castlevania 4, which is like, I think, the swan song of the more platforming-esque games. Yeah. Because pretty much after Symphony of the Night, they've just been doing that. Right. And there was one on N64 that was like really bad. Oh, yeah. That was a full yeah. 3D one that people always... Uh, Castlevania 64. Yeah, that people always speed run at... Uh, G- what is it? At uh, Games Done Quick, GDQ events. Uh, I think I rented that and was wild. just like so confused. Because yeah. like they're, I think, I think they learned pretty quick that like you can't really put cast. There's probably a way to have a 3D Castlevania game, but I think it's Dark Souls. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, like somebody did figure <laughs> so, it out, and it's from Soft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they've gone back, and and um, uh, it's worth noting that uh, Bloodstained is is 3D, but in sort of a 2D plane. Yeah, 2.5D so left to right. So uh, Bloodstained, I think I think we'll get into just. Uh, what it is and how it plays, but I want to talk about that sense of camp because I think that's something that I'm noticing a lot as I play this. Yeah, um, it is. I think the most striking element of the whole game is, yeah. is its campy tone. So, like, you start that game and and the menu screen is like a castle with like a bloody sunset, and it's like this is like this is actually we were talking before about about uh, the sort of like pageantry of excitement and. Um, my biggest regrets of last year are are missing this game, Outer Wilds, and uh, Disco and, Elysium. Uh, Disco Elysium, that which has yet to be ported to PS4. I have a feeling I'm gonna really like that. I really loved Outer Wilds, and I really like this game. What we do at the end of the year at our Game of the Year episode is we revisit our list from last year and like make any adjustments if we feel like strongly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say now that I, I think that there is a place on my top 10 for this game. Wow. I really, really like it. Probably not in top five, but definitely like might bump out something else for it. Yeah. Um, don't worry, uh-huh. not Pokemon. So uh, the game starts and it's like, and I think that's kind of why I waited on it. Cause I was like, this just looks like Castlevania. Like it looks like exactly what that is. So I don't know. Like, I'm not like, I like that, but I don't like need that. Yeah. You know? Not to dunk on it too hard, but another Kickstarter game that I backed was Mighty Number no. Nine, which is a very similar situation where, uh, like a, a big name Mega Man game lead or game design lead left, uh, Capcom to make their own version of Mega Man. And like it ended up being rough. Uh, it yeah, just looked exactly like Mega Man, but was worse. Um, yeah, and people were really bummed out by it, and I kind of kind of assumed that Bloodstained was gonna end up the same way. Um, yeah. I was really surprised once I got my hands on it to find that that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, and like it got it, like I saw it on a lot of people's lists at the end of last year, and yeah, like read a lot of good reviews, and like once I saw more of it, I was okay. I definitely want to try this out. So it's kind of on been on my wish list for a while, and I picked it up when it was on sale, and uh, so like it begins, and it's like you know Castle in the Sunset, which I didn't. 
that didn't put me off, but I'm like, okay, like I was waiting for the game to kind of find its own identity. And in the beginning, it's like, uh, the, the plot is, is hilarious. Like, I love it. Cause it's, it's around the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. kind of steampunk esque, but like replace steam with like magic and hell, uh, hell punk, um, hell punk. So hell punk. Oh, I'm well, calling it now. Yeah. That's, that's the, the name of the name of the episode. Um, <laughs> so, uh, alchemists were afraid of being outsourced by technology. So they summoned demons from hell to like, just fuck up the world. Yep. Uh, and by doing so they needed to make sacrifices and the only two sacrifices that lived were, uh, this one guy, I forgot his name and Miriam, the protagonist. Jeeble. How did I forget Jeeble? So, uh, I will never forget Jeeble. <laughs> Every yeah, time I, they I say Jeeble with, with, with a hard G, I'm like floored every time because <laughs> it always pops up and i'm reading ahead in the subtitles and i'm like Giebel. and then they go yeah Giebel. and i'm like whoa fuck so the game like <laughs> kicks off right away it's you uh it's miriam who like i immediately thought was really cool like she has a very strong like buffy vibe and yeah. like you're getting so much story thrown at you that like is so campy and like potentially eye rolly. Yeah. That Miriam has just like being like, cool. I can't wait to kick some demons in the face. Like really worked for me. Yeah. I was actually really bummed that I couldn't watch you play the beginning of this game. Cause I played it. I think the day before you did, I did like the opening couple hours before you did. And I just remember finishing the opening, watching all the cutscenes, and just sitting there. Like I didn't, I wasn't even holding the controller. I was just holding my head. Like, oh, I can't believe how much lore they just dumped into my fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for Steven to experience this. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's Miriam and her like buddy Johannes, who also reminds me of like that dude on Buffy who is like her like uh like mentor, I guess. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. I haven't watched Buffy like since I was like eight. But uh anyway, that aside, uh it begins on this like rocking ship, so like Already the environment is, like, more dynamic than, like, it usually is. Right. And the beginning is real good. Like, it's it really gripped me right away. I thought that it was, like, really fun and exciting. And right away, I really loved how the map works. Um, Like, it talk about a good UI and good UX. Like, it really, like, it tracks, like, every room you've been in and shows, like, if you have more of a room to see. Which in a game like this, I think is really important. Yeah, um, it uh, it it does a lot of the stuff that I was recently praising uh, Jedi Fallen Order for doing. Yeah, in, in terms of like taking taking the Metroidvania map and kind of improving on it in in like just user experience ways that they should have been years and years ago. Yeah, so like you make your way through this ship, and then at the end, uh, you see Jeeble, who's like, "I can't forgive humanity for what it's done to me. You should join me, and together we'll be in hell together." Yeah. And Miriam's like, no way, Jeeble. Uh so <laughs> then you fight, and like the first boss is like <laughs> just like a really like oddly sexual nightmare where it's like this sea serpent with like exposed like it's like nudity right away. Yes. Uh, which is like fine, but I just wasn't expecting it. And, but their stomach has like a mouth on it. Yeah. It almost reminds me of like a persona monster. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much. Like something from like SMT. Uh <laughs> and the boss fights like Pretty tough. It took me a couple tries and like I realized that I had to like explore more. But right away I just felt like the sense of progression in this game is so gratifying. Like they give you so much like you're constantly being given positive encouragement, whether it's like getting a new ability or finding new items or like, you know, just seeing something new that like I immediately wanted to see like 100% of the map of this game. Right. So you fight the boss and then you, you, uh, you say goodbye to Jeeble 
Uh, goodbye, Jeeble. See goodbye, Jeeble. Uh, and then uh, that's Jeeble. when you find like what is sort of your home base. So there's a town of people. Uh, there's like a bayonetta esque nun who is like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's such a weird experience talking to that nun because she's in a pose that's like kind of like uh like bayonetta esque and like looks like she's ready to fight, but her voice is like, How can I help you today? And it's it's so <laughs> weird. Like I can't my brain doesn't know what to think during that. But what's I would cool recommend, like, by the way, uh just while we're talking about the voices, switching to the Japanese voice cast for this game. Yeah, I can already see that. Because I, sure. I love it, it's very similar to my experience with Dragon Quest eleven S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, where as soon as I changed it from English to Japanese voice acting, the campiness of the dialogue totally landed for me. You yeah, know what I mean? for sure. So um that first area you go to kind of becomes like your home base, which later you get an ability to fast travel to key points of the map. And you'll end up returning to this town a lot because uh Johannes is there to like upgrade uh, the various abilities you get, which there are a lot of and a lot of really good ones you could find pretty early on. And then there's also the nun can sell you stuff. There's an old woman who wants pizza and I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a little girl who constantly thanks you for saving her life. And, um, my favorite is, uh, there's a, there are like little side quests you can do throughout the game. And there's one woman, I think her name is Lindsay, who is like, avenge Thomas. And like, it will say like kill eight of these creatures. Yeah. But you get like dozens of those quests from her. And I'm like, this is eventually starting to feel like a scam. Yes. Like, I feel like it absolutely is. Yeah. Like I would buy that you lost five to six loved ones in this castle but i've just avenged like 20 people for you yeah. and like i'm starting to think you're just like using these like rags and bat wings for something i shouldn't know about <laughs> um but that's all like really fun and that's also been like a series staple and that feels most developed in this game like in past castlevania is like an aria of sorrow there's a guy i think named like hammer who like you could sell stuff to and, you know, repair stuff or mm. something. Um, but like this sense of town where you can like grow food and like craft things. And there's like a lot of, a lot of really goofy like accessories you can get. Like right now I'm wearing sunglasses and a wolf head. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> like a, a wolf as a hood and sunglasses. Um, <laughs> so the beginning is like, could be off putting, but I was, I was sort of asking that question that we often kind of encounter where it's okay. Is this game, aware of how campy it is like or is this going for an earnest thing and the minute like you leave the town and you walk into the castle which is like this giant area that has like a million hollow knight-esque different areas there's like an underwater place there's like a you know cathedral you walk in and there are paintings of (laughs) people that like look like actors on like halloween costume ads where it's like dracula and like there was a knight that had a chainsaw for a sword, and then I eventually met. I went into a room, and this and this character went, "Wait, don't kill me! I'm a good killer barber," and <laughs> revealed that his name was Todd, and that he was cursed to be a demon until he gave 666 different haircuts, and you can go to him and just like change what hairstyle you have and, and other things about you, and like. That was when I'm like, okay, they know exactly what they're going for. Yeah, here, the thing I, I talk about it. all the time in media, ever since watching it, um, is is what I call the Aquaman problem, where <laughs> you watch James Wan's Aquaman uh, from, I guess, 2018, 2017, whenever that was, and like 
for a lot of that movie, that is the lingering question is like, does this movie know that it's a mess? Like, does it know that it's a train wreck? And is it trying to be one is kind of the question. And then there's a moment where uh, Aquaman and another uh, lead character have this like arena battle. And to kick off the arena battle, an octopus plays the drums to like welcome them in. And that's the moment I call it. It's 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 the Aquaman problem where it's like, oh, this movie knows exactly what it's doing. As soon as you see an octopus playing the drums, you know what's happening in that movie. And you know yeah. that that movie understands that it's extremely goofy. It's the same thing with Venom when Tom Hardy gets in. He climbs into a lobster tank and eats a lobster raw in like a fancy like rich person's <laughs> restaurant. Um, it's same exact vibe. Yeah. And this it was like seeing an enemy that was clearly inspired by Shovel Knight and meeting Todd, the demon barber. Yeah. And like Miriam being like, you have a really specific and bad curse. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, so that was really fun so like i'm just having a a blast with it it's it's really fun like that's like oddly enough a word that like uh should just come in tandem with us liking a game but like coming off of finishing kentucky route zero this is the perfect chaser for that of like really kind of somber and 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 heavy experience like this is a b-movie uh that like really flaunts being that and just is like, it's not doing a ton of new stuff that you haven't seen in, in Symphony of the Night, but it feels like the best version of that game. Like, I think I would, I would say if you want to experience what Symphony of the Night did, play this game. Um, I would totally there agree. Is, yeah. There is some stuff like, you know, I think the creator was like, he, he wanted it to not feel like a bad rehash. So there's some stuff where like, you uh you have like stained glass like tattoos all over you mm-hmm. and there's this recurring thing of when you kill an enemy there's like an x chance that you'll get their shard and like this shard like kind of cuts into you and like kind of implies that it's probably not good for Miriam to have this happen to her. Yes. Um, and G Bull even says in the beginning, he's like, once you have like become as powerful as you can like talk to me again and, and tell me like whether or not you still think you should use your powers for good. And if you're truly like, like once you have all this power, like talk to me and see if you still have your humanity, like this yeah. will be make you a demon basically. Right. So, but all the powers you get, like I just got one that I summon like, a, and you can upgrade them by finding certain items. So I can just summon like a row of flames. I just got like Palpatine force lightning that just goes to every enemy in a room. So I just, Oh my tap. God like R2 and she's she just zaps everyone. It's so cool. Like you you really feel so powerful in a way that like feels deserved once you finally get it cuz like it's a tough it's a game that like you have to be careful. Um you can only save when you find like save points in the room, but they're really generous with them. Like you find them pretty yeah. pretty commonly. Like whenever you've reached like a new area, like you usually find like a save room and like a, a fast travel place. Right. But like there have been some points where like I get into an area that like I'm way out of my like experience. Like it's it's like a higher level area where like I don't have like a lot of potions on me or whatever. So like it is it kind of has that dungeon crawly mechanic of like you want to come prepared. But I'm playing on normal and it's like a it's it's like I wouldn't say it's like hard, but it's challenging. Yeah. And Agreed. and I think the biggest thing is like I'm I'm so like I think at this point I have like eight hours into it and I have it shows you what percentage of the map you've unlocked and I think I've unlocked thirty seven percent and this is a game that I want to finish like it's one of the games in my backlog that I want to see to the end and oddly enough I feel like with in the past 
most games that I feel because I'm a I'm a big proponent of like not having to beat every game you pick up. There are some games where I'm like, okay, I really want to see this story through, or there's some games that I just love enough that I want to 100% them. Yeah, uh, this is a game that just like the sense of progression is so strong, and like finding new items and new abilities and seeing more of the of the area is so fun that like I just want to do it. And it seems like a, sh- a short enough game. It's not like it's not wild to think of completing it 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I would really recommend it. It's really fun. If you liked Symphony of the Night, it's it's going to be more of that. And that's probably I think the main point of tension would probably be like, okay, I think bringing up uh was it Mighty Number no. 9? Yeah. Bringing that game up is a good example of like a Kickstarter game being like we want more of this thing and then you get it and it's just more of that thing. And you're like, "Oh, did I really want this to mm-hmm. begin with?" But I think Bloodstained is like the reverse of that where it really shows like there is still a place for this type of Castlevania, for this type of Metroidvania. And I would like to see what the next step is. Like this is definitely going back to the conversation of like the next step or like a like a fully realized like every step leading up to this. This is a game that feels like a kind of just super cut of the best Castlevania mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, um, it absolutely does. Um yeah. It's also it's available on Switch also, which I, I feel like if you have a Switch like that is probably the platform to get it on. I'm just playing uh, it on Game Pass because I you know So on launch the Switch co- version had like a lot of serious performance issues apparently. Oh really? I don't know if those have been rectified since um i would say like in in theory yes that would be the best place to play it but like i don't know if they've since fixed that uh but i have it on ps4 and it's great and if i imagine that they probably patched the switch version in some way it's not super graphically like it feels in in i mean this is a compliment it feels like a playstation one game like a lot of the menus and a lot of like just the the vibe of it feels like a game you would play on the first playstation yeah uh some of the (laughs) some of the creature designs too are just so out there like there's one that's just a dog's head and it's called puppy and this like giant dog's head just chases you around yeah it's so it's just so out there and i think the biggest thing that distinguishes this from other games is that sense of self-awareness and that kind of overt campiness that I think helps make it a fresh experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend it. It's super fun. And uh, yeah, you can get it pretty cheap at this point. So um, I would or recommend it. Or if you have Game Pass, it's on there. Or if your Game Pass is on there. And hopefully the Switch version has been repaired. <clears throat> since yeah. Then. Looking at uh, GameSpot.com. Uh, give you a little shout out. A little indie oh, yeah. website. Horrible joke. Uh, <laughs> it it looks like a patch came out uh, maybe a month ago and uh, seems to patch a lot of those problems. Uh, I don't cool. know. You know, th- it's not going into if it fixes all the problems, but it does seem like uh, yeah, actively working to fix it. I'm not I'm not one to be like like you and I. I don't truly think ever have cared about like frame rate or anything, but like that was a notable like take when that game came out that the Switch version was like not performing super well. So yeah. I'm glad to hear there's a patch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bloodstained is is real good. Uh, it's also a game that like I like the music, but I've oddly been I'm having a lot of fun playing my own music in the background as I play it. I also um, today was um, yeah listening to the new King Cruel album while I was playing, which was like perfect. I was uh, playing the new Beach Bunny album, which also great. was perfect. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a great album for that. Yeah, this is a great game to put on like your own music for, and I don't mean that as an insult to the soundtrack that's there because it's good, but like you know it's it's kind of what you expect. And I yeah. think there's something to be said for like, if I can put sunglasses in like a wolf head on my character, I can also put on my own music and like, it's still going to be a blast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's looking like they're just to close the loop on this. It looks like, wow, are we in an office? Um, <laughs> to close the loop on this, 
it looks like there was a patch in November that uh, fixed the performance on Switch a lot, and there was another one that they just released in January that also helped a lot. Um, so that's it seems great. like they're kind of getting there if it's not there already. Um, yeah, so that's really good. Yeah, I I did not talk at all uh, about how much I'm liking it, but I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of steamrolled you. No, 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 no. I you're the one who is uh, the most effusive about this, so I wanted you to just go for it. Um, I. I'm definitely enjoying it. I don't think I am enjoying it on the same level as you. I don't know if I'll finish it, but I'm enjoying the time that I spend with it. I'm like four or five hours in at the moment. I could find myself going back to it probably. But, you know, it's one of those problems where because it's not on Switch, it means that I have to sit on my couch and I have to decide between turning on. This is such a stupid problem. And I can't believe I'm going to say it out loud, but I have to decide Do between I turning diamonds on diamonds my- or lobster. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I have to decide between turning on my Xbox or my PS4. And currently all I want to do when I'm sitting on my couch and turning on a game system is turn on my PS4 and play final fantasy. So yeah. that's kind of the problem I'm running into. I'm wondering sure. if eventually that final fantasy, uh, bit will fade and I will, you know, return to this, but who knows? This game has the vibe of like blasting your like guilty pleasure favorite album as the weather gets nicer. That's like the best way I can pitch it. It's like, yeah, blasting, which is literally what happened today. Yeah. Blast ska in March. That's the vibe of hell punk. <laughs> <laughs> hell punk is the fourth wave of ska. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh uh, sorry to all our patrons who paid for that. <laughs> Akira, Alex, Andrew D, the other Andrew D, Ariel, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, David, Dennis, Elliot, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Josh, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Mark Sell, Melly Muffin, Pie, Micah, Min, Murray, Naomi, No Name, Pablo. <laughs> Philip, Robert, Salute, Peasy, Scout, Shelly, Skintite, Alloy, Spencer, Trevor, and William. Uh, thank you all so much for going to patreon.com slash into the cast and backing the show. It means so much. Uh, I can't wait for the part of Bloodstain where you walk into a room and Frankenstein is just skanking and going, no, 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 I'm a good ska musician. You can also find us on twitter.com slash into the cast and twitch.tv slash into the cast. Um... I don't know if it'll be out by the time this episode comes out, but uh, we will have... I mean, you will be able to watch uh, the live recorded video of our bonus episode for February, which is also yeah. Final, Final Fantasy XIV, yeah, uh, which is. we are going to record live and stream on Twitch right after <laughs> finishing this episode. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to skank for a few, like just get it all out and then hop on PS4. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you hate this. This is the first time... <laughs> I've really seen you like squirm in your seat. <laughs> you hate Hellpunk. I love Hellpunk. All right, good. I promise. Yeah. Bloodstain though, like I would say now I I uh I was thinking about like if I were I mean we'll probably do this as the game of the year episode for 2020, but I would probably knock out Outer Worlds and put this in its place. That's like where I'm at right now. Wow. Um which was wow. number 9. I love Outer Worlds. I really love Outer Worlds. I think though at this point like I finished that game and like I found the I found finishing it a little bit underwhelming compared to how in I was like for certain characters in in certain moments. Yeah. Um still one of my favorite games of last year. Like last year was so strong and I just think that like I mean I'll I'll make it official when we when we revisit our list uh that episode. You know, I also, funny. Like, I'm looking at my list right now. I would also put this right above Outer Worlds on my list, which was oh, number, really? which was number 15. So, oh, so Bloodstain would also get on your list. So, I It'd just, be 15. I only, yeah. 
Steven, I don't like ska that much, okay? <laughs> I liked a few Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution songs and Jeff Rosenstock's early stuff. But stop sending me less than Jake MP3s. I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of spring. I want to go to hell. Punk. <laughs> okay, I think that's it. I think we did it. Goodbye. Yeah. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. <laughs> Stephen Hilker, you can find me at Stephen Hilker. We didn't even plug half the stuff we usually do. We just like have to end this episode. I did do it. On... You were just in such a flurry of hellpunk and ska that I think you might have blacked out while I was in the middle of plugging everything. But I, I sure did plug everything. <laughs> it's just like trips and like instead of birds and stars I just saw like trombones and fedoras <laughs> checkerboard shorts yeah <laughs> pick them up 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 oh, no man. I don't want to go to high school I'm envisioning the episode art for this week and it is horrible <laughs> It's, I think this episode is like the litmus test of our of our listeners and of our patrons. Like, you really want to pay for this? <laughs> it's just me okay. very meticulously going through every single update in Animal Crossing New Horizons, followed by skanking. Big one, big one. No, I don't want to go to high school. <laughs> Okay, if we don't stop now, we're never gonna stop. We have to we have to end this. Get the, get me out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. See you in hell. Punk. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.